Welcome to Greeting Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin. We'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And yesterday we were witness to one of the more unexpected Green Bay Packers beatdowns at Lambeau Field where they trounced their longtime nemesis and very good Seattle Seahawks team by a final score of 38-10. to And honestly, at times it wasn't even that close. We're going to talk about all the details of this, but Matt, to me, this is just been <laughs> such a fun day to just be a fan and not worry about the future and finally make those idiots from Seattle that have been a thorn in everybody's side, but particularly the Packers' side, eat a little crow. Yeah, and really this is about the, the best I felt after a Packer game that I can remember in almost like two years, I think. It's going back quite a while, and it's, to do it to Seattle, I know we beat them last year, but... This was much more unexpected, um, and in the fashion you do it with Russell Wilson throwing five picks, it does feel pretty darn good today. Yeah, and you brought up, you know, this is a long time since you felt this way, and I was struggling to find the last time that the Packers so decisively beat a legitimately good team. Um, you probably would have to go back to that Atlanta playoff game, but Atlanta's a little bit different. They were a team that really hadn't had much success outside of 2010, but to do it to a defending Super Bowl champ or a, a team who had won the Super Bowl in the last three years had defeated you in the worst NFC Championship game collapse ever, and to have them come to your place and to just destroy them. Seattle had had one loss by double digits in the Russell Wilson era. That was last year's game against the Packers when it was just you know it wasn't really a ten point game. This was the only time they've ever been destroyed with Russell Wilson at quarterback, and I can't think of another Packer performance that equals it in recent years. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think you can expect this again if, if these teams would match up again. You just don't expect that kind of a day from Russell Wilson. I think that was really, really bizarre to see, and that's why you don't see that stat because he's missed your consistency and doesn't turn the ball over. And generally when the game... You know, if even if they're down ten at the end, he's bringing them back in, and they're going to win or make it close. It, it was just bizarre to see over and over again, just super inaccurate. I, they had said something about him feeling sick or something was a little off, but I, oh, I don't really boo-boo. care what it was. It was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was awesome to watch, but I, it definitely seemed unlike him, and I think that's why that stat is was the way it was, which I was shocked to see when they said that, that mm-hmm. never had lost by more than ten points. Well, that is shocking for one, but. I still, Russell Wilson is better than I said he was, and I think he proved it last year and and a little bit this year, but there's still a bit of a Jim McMahon effect there where people would say, wow, it's hard to blow out Jim McMahon because he always just, he's such a winner and he'll he'll gut in there with you. It's like, well, that's because most teams only scored 10 points against him, even if they turn the ball over five times. And usually Russell Wilson's more careful with the football, but it's not like he's blowing people's doors off it. It was more impressive for years and years that Aaron Rodgers rarely got blown out when the defense was giving up 25 points a game. That's a little bit more difficult when uh, Russell Wilson's team has probably given up 15 a game. There's there's a lot of quarterbacks that could stay in every game within 10 points when their defense gives up 15 points a game. Well, yes and no. I, I mean, I, not, not that I want to be a Russell Wilson defender because he's one of my least favorite players in the league, but at the same time, I mean, we have watched this guy work. I think, you know, a few years ago in his rookie year, I would have made that argument, but it just kind of, you know, the things we've seen him do over the last couple of years and in tight games and with the game on the line, even when the defense might be playing, not be playing that well. And, and even last year where he seemed to kind of go more towards that elite quarterback status and, um, you know, we've seen him be very good even with the, the great defense too. I'm not saying that, but last year was the first 
time they ever won a game when the other team scored more than 24 points with Russell Wilson. So I think he's been the beneficiary, that stat in particular. I'm not saying he's bad, but that stat in particular is because their defense has been able to bail them out of anything. Bad weather, sluggish starts. Right, that they hardly ever give up 10 points, so it's, it's hard to lose by more than 10 points. Yeah, and so I think it, as impressive as it was, and we'll talk about everything, as, as impressive as it was that the defense performed as well as they did and picked off Russell Wilson five times. And um, a stat that I looked up and saw today is that Russell Wilson, nearly 20% of his career interceptions are against the Packers. Right? Wow. With, he's got 53 in his career and he's thrown 10 against Green Bay, which is kind of incredible considering how lousy the Packers' defense has been at times. But I think the real story of this is Aaron Rodgers. And he supposedly, which this we'll get into this obviously, but uh, making me feel a little bit better about our chances going forward is that Aaron Rodgers actually injured that calf that people were worried about at the end of the game on the third play of the game on the touchdown to Devontae Adams. So he played that near flawless performance on that injury. And obviously there's chances to aggravate it and whatnot, but for him to be so effective uh, with with basically the injury the whole game is encouraging. And we, for the entire di- existence of this podcast, have talked about how Aaron Rodgers has struggled to really dominate a really, really good opponent um, on defense. And yesterday he played the best defense in the league and shredded them to pieces. Yeah, that was phenomenal. Even with him hobbling around, I mean, that first sort of Devontae Adams was just insane. But, but throughout the day, I mean, the stat line's not in, you know, over the top or anything, but he was just making the old Aaron Rodgers throw, you know, like off one leg or or just whipping it down the field over, you know, going the wrong direction, like right on the money, and it just was so good to see against guys like Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor, and I don't care if they're gone, um, Earl Thomas, mm-hmm. probably the best safety in the league. There's still a lot of really good guys back there, so hey, he was just on the money, absolutely. So even being hobbled, he looked so good, and that's really, really good to see. And he decided that Deshaun Shed was going to go to the wood shed, and he must have thrown at him a hundred <laughs> times and just destroyed that poor guy. Yeah. Here's going to be the stupidest thing I've asked in a long time, but I just want to discuss it. Is there a chance that Aaron Rodgers might be a little bit better when some of his mobility is taken away in the fact that he's got to be more decisive? Yeah, it's very possible. Um Man, that's that's tough because I know we both get, and I'm sure most Packer fans get frustrated by the spinning around in circles in the pocket thing, um, and trying to just wait all day for somebody to get open deep. Whereas the offense they run, you know, he couldn't do that yesterday, obviously. But in the offense they run was kind of based around that. So I, I prefer that style of Aaron Rodgers. At least I guess I'd say I don't know if it's a better one, but I like it better. Yeah, I obviously I. I think it's probably not better but you wonder if some of the throws that those quick throws and things like that maybe happen with more frequency when he's forced to do that or or eat a sack um obviously you you miss the scrambling ability absolutely but it's the the running around in the pocket thing that i think they benefit from well and this year more than ever his scrambling ability is is very important yesterday he had three attempts for minus six yards due to that injury but he came in yesterday about 70 yards behind Eddie Lacy for the leading rusher on the team, uh, which is still kind of, uh, I guess, frustrating. Uh, I, I was talking to some people at work today, and they talked about how excited they were about the potential. And, and Troy Aikman got on this, too, the potential future of Ty Montgomery as a running back. And he's built for it, and he could stand the durability. And I think he's done nice in that role, but to me, you're still going to need a real running back 
for the long-term solution. And if there was any doubt about that, it was when he caught a screen pass and had about 15 yards worth of head start, and Cam Chancellor is standing there flat-footed, and it looked like Ty Montgomery ran right into a brick wall and didn't move him an inch. Yeah, that, that's the real nice thing about having that change of pace guy like Kristen Michael is you almost never see a guy. I don't tie good size for a receiver, but almost never see a starting running back that's built like that. I mean, a guy just can't really take that kind of punishment uh, at that size. He's he's a great guy to have on the roster, a good change of pace. You can line him up at either, but I agree. I wouldn't want to necessarily go into next year with him penciled in at number one. Yeah, and yeah, I think he's got the more size than Cobb and whatever to be durable, but yeah, to be a full-time running back or if you had to lean on him in the snow to have 20 carries, it's just it's just not viable and um, I think to be a successful running back in the NFL, you either have to be able to run people over or you have to be able to make the miss, and I don't think he's particularly great at either of those um, at a, a running back elite level without space. Right. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have the, that kind of a speed as a little guy. I mean, even you look at somebody like Reggie Bush, who may be, I mean, he may be a little smaller than Ty, but it's probably more close, but I mean, he had that explosive speed. Yeah. Really, the, the only guys that you could think of are, they're a lot faster than Ty Montgomery that are that were able to do it even a little bit at that size. Or were just incredibly shifty uh, and, and were able to avoid contact. But, uh, yeah, I think it's working for right now. But to me, what this season has shown is that it's not the ideal situation. You'd like to have more balance on offense. But that formula of just passing all the time can still work in Green Bay because their running game has been nice, like we said, with, with Montgomery, but it's not exactly optimal and the reason that the offense is working is not because Ty Montgomery is a great running back it's because you can pass like crazy if you have one physical mismatch causing disruption in the secondary and that guy this year shockingly has been Devontae Adams and he looked like a pro bowler yesterday again yeah once again um, I just I can't even believe it. And Jordy's kind of back to form, and maybe not the top end speed he used to have, but really all the other strengths he had are all back, and he looks great again. Yep. So now him and Devonte as a one-two punch is all of a sudden when we would have ripped on that, you know, week two or three is looking really really good right now. And and Devonte again, we can rehash this over and over again, but I just can't even believe that this is happening. He looked like he couldn't catch contested balls, he couldn't break tackles, he had no speed, he was a terrible route runner, and now he's beating people on his first step off of the line of scrimmage and outrunning them down the sideline. He, he figured yeah. he literally figured everything out at once. I mean, <laughs> yeah. He figured out how to how, how to go after a ball in the air. He figured out how to run around. He figured out how, out how to hold on to the ball and catch tough passes and not making the, the general Devontae mistake that we'd see like once or twice a game. Yeah. I, it's It's been crazy how much of a light switch this has been. It's just as much as I can remember that ever happening um, for one player midseason to turn it around like this. It's just unbelievable. The biggest moment for me yesterday, it, it was a great, great game, but the moment that got me up out of the couch and jumping up and down was when he, and it, after the replay, I saw that Sherman fell first, but when Sherman fell and he got back up and Devontae yeah. Adams just tossed him two yards back on his, you know what, and that was just so much fun to see after how much yeah, talking awesome. he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what he, he could have had another like 60-yard touchdown as well if uh, Rodgers hadn't just overthrown him by a hair. Right, yeah, that that first throw was perfect, and that one just missed. I mean, you can't you can't ask for too much of a better throw than that. But it was it was out there for him. Yeah, he could have put up what he'd had like 150 yards yesterday if he came down with that one. 
Yeah, that would have been impressive. But as it stood, the 66-yard touchdown, I put this on Twitter, was the longest touchdown pass for the Packers since that blowout of the Bears in November of 2014. Well, it, it just felt like 2011 all over again. Like, you just come out there, Rodgers with a perfect kind of off-one-foot throw, laces it right on the money to Devonta Adams on the sideline on a deep throw. I mean, it just flashed back to the, the offense's glory days a couple of years back and older, and it just like I instantly, something clicked inside me. It's like, all right, we got this. And you just kind of felt like it was those Packers again, mm-hmm. and you just started instantly feeling better about this team. And it seemed like the defense kind of followed suit, too. Yeah, and what was funny is that you and I were texting prior to the game, and you had said you felt more confident about this game, in part because you thought the weather was going to be an equalizer. And then when they start the broadcast, Troy Aikman is talking about his conversation with Aaron Rodgers, where he essentially said the same thing, and in an under, you know, kind of a subtle way, saying that he thought that the Packers couldn't match up and this was not a derogatory thing towards his teammates, but implying, you know, one team is 6-6 six and six and the other one is, you know, a win away from a first-round bye, uh, practically. And he's saying that he thought that the weather would have been an equalizer that would have allowed the Packers a better chance to match up physically with Seattle. And then they come out there, they don't get any assistance from the weather. It was essentially fine by the time the game started. It wasn't even that cold. And then the Packers go and physically manhandle Seattle on both sides of the ball. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I I can't believe that they put up that many points, but I also can't believe that the defense held them to 10 points. I mean, both sides of the ball were just absolutely on their game. The defense was a completely different defense than we've seen at any point this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Just flying around, making plays, making stops. But for them to do that on offense against that defense, I think that speaks volumes, kind of how I feel about this team going forward. Yeah, and and we'll get into maybe the long-term talk, but let's flip really quick and talk about the defense. And uh, the big story is they intercepted Russell Wilson five times, but the longer-term trend, and maybe the defense with all the injuries in late October and November was the absolute worst they could be, and somehow they instantly became the best they could be. They gave up 35 points in the first half against the Tennessee Titans, and they've given up 33 points in the last three games. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and I, it's 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 tough to put your finger on it. I mean, we kind of talked about lately. It seems like the safeties are really stepping their game up. Um, they looked really good the last couple of weeks, and they looked phenomenal again yesterday. But I, I think one of the big things we're seeing here is obviously you're getting more of that corner depth back. Yeah. And I, you know, I think going into this year, if you told me, you know, you're going to be out Sam Shields, but you got Rollins and Randall out there, you feel pretty good about that. But then what we saw for the first half of this season, that was a disaster if either of those guys were out there. Yeah. And it seems like they're both kind of figuring it back out again, and they look like actual starting corners. And then you got Gunter in the slot at nickel, and I think it's really those corners that it's hard for a defense to produce when that's such a gaping hole and they're playing a lot better. Yeah, I think that's probably it exactly and I don't expect him to keep up this pace for the rest of the season uh granted they could because they don't play any explosive offenses for the rest of the year and I don't know even Dallas who's one of the more effective offenses in the NFL is not the type of team that's just going to blow your doors off and and drop a ton of points on you but the nature of a show like ours and we've said constantly that we're fans first and foremost so um and me especially tends to be more emotionally reactive and and i think that's kind of the fun of being a fan on a week-by-week basis is you do act perhaps more emotionally to these than than obviously any of the mainstream reporters or any of the team personnel are doing 
But when we were really slamming Ted Thompson during that four-game losing streak, now with the comfort of having lived through a three-game winning streak following that and having a real legitimate uh, shot to go to the playoffs again, it I, I feel a little foolish for kind of slamming him for not having any depth. Like, what team has a great sixth-string cornerback that can cover Deshaun Jackson and and cover you know, uh, breakdowns and coverage and things like that. And, and you don't want to see you completely fall apart and give up 35 points and a half and give up how many bombs on third down against Washington. But on the flip side of things, it's not as egregious as perhaps I thought it was at the time. Yeah, I, I can maybe get on board with that. I, I think a lot of the criticisms are still fair in that I think this, a lot of the depth in the starting rotation aren't that good. And I think a lot of those positions are, um, there's some area to improve there, especially with some of the higher draft picks like we've talked about. And I, But I, I agree. I mean, I think if once you get to a certain point, which they definitely had hit, and you can see even with only some of the guys back how much better they look now. So yeah, um, that that definitely works in Ted's favor, I think, a little bit. I I don't know. I, I'm still not ready to get off that quite yet, but I, I think it's definitely looking a little bit better now. Um, yeah, in, ter- in terms of him, but I, I, I think coaching wise too, though. I mean, we we had some I think fair criticisms of McCarthy earlier in the year, especially in the Tennessee game where you come out flat. You've got kind of still a lot of the same players that you had then, but it just seems now you can kind of I, the announcer said it too. It's just almost palpable, like the intensity difference that they're seeing, and just kind of how much more people breaking tackles, you know, more second effort. It just looks like there's more want to out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's more criticism for how what they weren't doing back then. This team seems to have always been better as the hunter rather than the hunted, to use a corny cliche that I hate to use on these shows. But you wonder how many championships this team would have if they were better front runners. They don't seem to be very good in that New England Patriots role where everybody's giving you their best shot or that the expectation is every single week that you're going to win and win comfortably. And if you don't win, it's your fault. You did something wrong. And they've never been comfortable in that role. They've been much more comfortable in the role of nobody believes we can do it, so let's prove them wrong. It seems to be woven into the fabric of Aaron Rodgers and Ted Tom, or I'm sorry, and Mike McCarthy to be those guys. And you're seeing that again this year when when Rodgers, they're four and six and said, we we can run the table. I guess we shouldn't have been surprised that they would come out and win three straight and maybe win six straight. We shouldn't be surprised. Now, my question is why it always takes until you're absolutely uh, without any margin for error for that to kick in for these guys. Uh, But it's always seemed to be the way that this team has operated and uh, obviously those are the two biggest influences from a motivation and a, and a, a kind of inspiration standpoint so I guess it doesn't surprise me that much that they repeatedly find a way when they're favorites to fall apart and then just when they're on the brink they come roaring back yeah yeah you're right and it it does seem to be that way. It's just crazy how night and day this team seems from one game. And I guess you could probably say that about most of the teams in the NFL. But really, I mean, to come out and have that game yesterday when we had seen, you know, the Redskins game and the Tennessee game, and to see that team, um, and I think rightfully so, we all thought they were dead because they were so bad. Um, and then to just be able to turn it on like that yesterday, if it's that small of a thing where all of a sudden you feel like you're, you know, people aren't are betting against you and you need that motivation. I mean, that's a pretty crazy difference. Yeah, and it it's really going to be the mystery of this team forever, I think. And 
they could very well go 10 and 6 and miss the playoffs. There are many paths for them to get there, but there are still many paths where they can go 10 and 6 and not make the playoffs. And they would have gone 10 and 2 outside of that four game losing streak. But, you know, whether your motivation kicks in or not, November is still a part of the season, even though they've always struggled in November for some reason. And uh, they would have nobody but themselves to blame. Um, they had injuries, but everybody in the league has had injuries and weren't giving up 35 points in the first half, uh, unless you're maybe Cleveland or San Francisco. But, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I was okay if they weren't going to make the playoffs before yesterday, and now I would be really frustrated because as bad as the NFC is, and uh, this might sound ridiculous, and, and please tell me if you think it is, but... I feel much more confident about the potential for this team to win a championship than last year's team or than the 2013 team or even the 2012 team. Uh, I know they're doing it to us again. <laughs> like just when we were okay with with the expectations being lowered this year, all of a sudden with, you know, one game, I you, you have to feel that way. I mean, you beat the one team that I felt they couldn't beat in in the postseason and that's Seattle really that was the one team I was pretty confident that they couldn't beat um you still feel like you got a shot against Dallas and they just go down to New York last night which is crazy to think and who else is there I mean you really don't think this team could beat like an Atlanta or somebody like that Mm -hmm. I mean you have just as good of a shot at as anybody if you can actually make it into the dance to do that and then look at the AFC I mean who are you really scared of over there too yeah so New England without Gronk is a completely different team Right, and I, so I'm not putting my money on the Packers as a favorite at this point, but yeah, I'd agree. Like going into the postseason last year, compared to right now, I feel more confident right now. Yeah, and I mean, I get the people listening are probably rolling their eyes because you could pop up one of the episodes from three or four weeks ago, and we're calling for, hey, maybe this is the year we fire Mike McCarthy, and now we're talking about championships. And I guess that's the fun of the ride, but. Um, and and that's why Matt and I are such a good dynamic because I come on here and say it's the worst, and Matt says no, nah, it's not. I say it's the best. He says no, <laughs> not not really that either. It's well, that, that's the ebb and flow of a season. I mean, how could you possibly think this as we do today without seeing that game yesterday? I mean, we had no reason to believe that this team was a contender because we hadn't seen them do this in you know two years. Yeah. So how could you possibly think they could string together three or four of these if they haven't done it at all? So to beat the team, which I would possibly still put my money on is the team I I would pick to win the Super Bowl and to do that to them it at least shows you that they're capable of it yeah that's true yeah you need some evidence along the way in order to believe I mean that's kind of the whole point of how you form opinions <laughs> I think so um, and I reserve the right to have the opinion that this team stinks and needs to fire Dom if Jordan Howard rushes for 230 yards on Sunday yeah, I, I might, I might still be able to be convinced of that too. I'm not, uh, I'm still not sold on the Dom coming back next year thing with what we've seen. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's entirely fair. Um, maybe they'll get another shot at the Redskins, who's maybe one of the more explosive offenses left in the NFC, and also, uh, um, I guess they could host the Giants in the first round of the playoffs, which would really suck. But if you think about that 2010 year when they had the chance to kind of uh, beat a lot of teams that had been a thorn in their side earlier in that year, or Philadelphia, they avenged fourth and 26. You could see now we're getting way, way, way ahead of ourselves because they need a lot of help. But you could potentially see a scenario in which they host the Giants in the first round. Then they go to Seattle 
or let's say they go to Dallas in the divisional round where that was the location where many of championship-worthy Favre teams saw their season die and then go back to Seattle for the NFC Championship game and have a chance to avenge all of those. How freaking amazing would that be? Yeah. Not going to happen, though, I, I sense from you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would gladly take a, uh, what, a Redskins, Tampa, and... Uh, who Giants uh, rode to the Super Bowl too? I guess. Yeah, I'd take that. All right, so let's talk about those Seahawks and how much how annoying they are. Just how chippy that team was. They were down fourteen to three, and they were already uh, ready to fight. And uh, I think it was Corey Bend on the Facebook page had mentioned something that this team really showed how. Uh, and even in the Super Bowl, too, that they're a real big bully, and then whenever uh, they have any kind of adversity, they show their true colors, that a lot of that is just uh, bravado that uh, is real easy to come by when you're winning and not so easy to co- and uh, not so easy to rein in when you're losing. Right, and it's always that it's always K.J. Wright, too, who always seems to end up on, on that side of things, too, and he blasted Richard Rodgers um, yeah. kind of at the end of that game. And just there was chippiness throughout, too. I, I, but I guess, you know, when you've got a team that's that confident and – generally that successful when you start pounding them in the mouth they don't know how to react to it i mean what can they do other than to get defensive they think they're you know amazing and yeah. the best defense we've seen over the last five years and they are so all of a sudden when they're giving up 38 points they just don't know how to react and in their defense which you were defending russell wilson before and i have to defend this stupid defense in their defense this has never happened to this group before ever um, even the only other game where they gave up more points, they gave up 39 to the Cardinals last year, and that was a shootout. They lost 39 to 32. Uh, maybe you could argue that it happened in the first half of the Carolina playoff loss last year, but they haven't been just getting completely destroyed before by a team they probably thought they were head and shoulders better than, and maybe still are. Uh, so maybe that's why, maybe there's a less of an excuse when you see Pittsburgh do it when they have that same bravado and seems like once a month they lose 31 to 3. So, I don't know, uh it 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 still is inexcusable and completely ridiculous, but it makes it's a little bit more um it's a little easier to make sense of than maybe when Pittsburgh or especially like Cincinnati was doing that for years. Right. And we have to talk about this. I'm glad I wrote it down because I almost forgot. The best pass rush in the history of the NFL was Christian Ringo realizing he wasn't supposed to be on the field, making a beeline from the sideline right into the middle of the Seattle line, blowing it up and pressuring Russell Wilson into an incomplete fourth down pass. Yeah, how could you have timed that any more perfectly? You can't even like a linebacker from their position can't even time a you know a running blitz like that with the snap count. It just worked out perfectly. Him running from the sidelines. Full speed, right as the ball snapped. <laughs> if only you could do that every time with your big guys, that'd be unstoppable. I can't believe Russell Wilson snapped it. He must not have yeah. seen it. It was just ridiculous. But it was that, uh, Richard Sherman getting knocked over by Adams, and that were my two favorite moments of yesterday's game. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about real quick is Tanner McAvoy scored a touchdown for Seattle, a garbage-time touchdown, which really bothered me, but it doesn't bother me as much as the garbage-time touchdown that puts you at 20 or more. Um, 38-10 to 10 still looks like an epic blowout, whereas 48-20 to 20 looks like it was kind of a shootout that got out of hand for one team. Mm-hmm. Why is it, and maybe I'm alone in this, but... I find myself just so irritated by Wisconsin Badgers once they get into the NFL and have any success. 
and that goes for Russell Wilson. That goes somewhat for J.J. Watt. Um, there's a lot of these guys that I still like and root for, but there's a part of me that's just real irritated, um, and especially Tanner McAvoy, when uh, they probably would have gone to the Rose Bowl with Melvin Gordon if he hadn't made throwing the football look like the most difficult things humans <laughs> yeah. had ever tried. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I I won't quite go there with like McAvoy. I mean, yeah, it irks me that he's the one that scores the touchdown when you would get so frustrated with him on and off throughout his college career. But I agree with with Watt and Wilson. I don't think that's necessarily because they're Badgers, but I think it's just kind of the the dweebiness, <laughs> yeah. if that's a word that they've acted <laughs> with since they've been in the NFL. So I don't know if I share that for all Badgers, but yeah, they're the mo- two most prominent ones can be a little frustrating sometimes. Yeah, I feel like I liked Lee Evans and I liked a lot of those guys, yeah. but yeah, sometimes it just. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just me being bitter at the Badgers always being the bridesmaid and never the bride. And it's like, well, now you're going to go and win a whole bunch of Super Bowls when you freaking still drop the two token Big Ten games with the best team we're going to have in a generation. Yeah. Like, that's probably my beef with Russell Wilson. Yeah. And the fact that he makes up stats when he does, like, the Wisconsin graduation ceremony speech. I didn't hear that. What was that? Oh, you got to watch it. Anybody who hasn't heard that has to go back and watch it. So they had, like, he did a speech for UW-Madison last year's graduation, and he talked about all these, like, baseball stats and all these things that he accomplished, and, like, they had a fact checker, and, like, none of it was accurate. He was, like, talking about how they wouldn't, like, let him on the field at North Carolina State and stuff, and it it was ridiculous. Uh. And then he talked about how he, like, improved his batting average the next year by, like, this much, and, like, everything was wrong. Well, if you're going to exaggerate, why use that kind of hyperbole? Like, if you just said they didn't want to play me, nobody would ever know unless you said, I made only six starts, you know, and then it was actually like 30 or something, you know? And it's worse than I make it sound, too. You've definitely got to go watch that. It's really, really bad. What what should you Google? Just UW-Madison commencement speech? Russell Wilson commencement speech. Oh, yeah, you'll find it easily. Okay, yeah, that'll be everybody's homework for this week. Um, I got to see that now. So let's talk about the Packers' chances to go to the playoffs. So Detroit won again yesterday with the, ugh, they should have lost that game. I mean, people talk about Colin Kaepernick single-handedly making them not watch football. If there's a guy that could ever do that for me, it's Jeff Triplett and his ridiculous officiating, calling a couple of phantom ticky-tack holding penalties on the Bears, and then uh, the very next play, the Detroit defenders got his hand on the back of the jersey by the name and a hand around the waist, and it's a a no-call, which would have put the Bears in field goal range. And Granted, the Bears didn't play spectacularly and maybe didn't deserve to win anyways, but jeez, I was so mad at that yesterday. Yeah, every time there's something like that, you just know Jeff Triplett's going to come up there with a holding call, and it's just going <laughs> to ruin your life. And I, I feel so bad for Matt Barkley. He's played so well these last few weeks, and his receivers can't catch. His his offense has like 150 penalty yards every single game. It just He's tried to come through and be so clutch. In these la- last week they won, but the, the game before that where his receivers, I think, had 12 drops, and then oh, yeah. yesterday kind of happened again, and should have won these games, and it's just, of course, Jeff Jeff Tripley comes in, and they they would have tied that right to send it to overtime had they gotten into field goal range. Correct, yep. Yeah, and then you you drop one like that. And that's, you know, the unexpected kind of one that would have really helped the Packers. You you still got a chance now with Stafford being hurt, and they've got a lot tougher schedule than we do, so you still got a shot, but you would have loved to have that one yesterday. Yeah, without a doubt. And the thing with that one, oh, no, I, I, I can't get too far into those, but... I think if they would have dropped another division game, there would have been an outside chance that the Packers could have clinched without having to beat Detroit because the division records would have been equalized even after a Detroit loss. But um, hopefully Matt Barkley doesn't figure it out next week and can go beat Washington the following week to get his big redemption. Yeah. <laughs> um. So 
they need Detroit to lose either of the next two games, which the Giants winning yesterday was sort of the benefit in that Dallas will likely have to play their starters through the end of the season, and which is good for two reasons. Because one, they'll have to likely win two more in a row in order uh, if the Giants win this week. So if the Giants beat Detroit, Dallas will be forced to win again no matter what. And then Detroit will have to play two tough games in a row. And also Dallas plays Tampa this week, so they'll be forced to try to beat Tampa Bay. And uh, the Packers need, I think they need Tampa to lose a couple of times. They lose the tiebreakers to basically everyone because of that loss to Atlanta, and they have a common games tiebreaker deficit to the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. And so they need some help. Uh, the way things went uh, yesterday wasn't the best in terms of um, New York winning, but now New York and Dallas are both going to have to fight to the wire, and that uh, will maybe have some benefit. And I guess the the point of all this talking, I, d- I don't know what's going to happen, obviously, but um, I don't know if you've played around with the playoff scenarios, but are you confident that three Packer wins will get them into the playoffs in some fashion? Yeah, I, I think you have to at this point, especially when Detroit has New York and Dallas with an injured Stafford. I think you have to feel pretty good about that, at least in that route. I, you don't trust Tampa to keep winning out. I, I think you got to feel pretty good, especially division-wise. I like their odds. I just if those New Orleans Saints can get hot, I need Drew Brees to play like a Hall of Famer this last three weeks because they play Atlanta and they play Tampa, and that would help immensely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it would drop one of them out of the wild card, likely, and then the other one would be the division champion, and then it wouldn't matter anyways. So we'll just have to keep going with that. And the um, you know the the Packers all came out today and said one game at a time, but I'm not on the team, so we can speculate wildly about them having a perfect playoff scenario that would allow them to avenge all of their most heartbreaking losses. Yeah, and Rodgers already said they were going to win all of these games, so one game at a time doesn't even apply anymore the rest of the year. <laughs> That's true. He's like all six at once is the strategy yep. <laughs> I like to have. Okay, um, Jeff Fisher finally got fired today. Um, I didn't get a chance to see if the moon had turned blood red in response to that. But there was, first of all, two things. One, as Daniel Johnson pointed out on Facebook, the tremendous disappointment that Jeff Fisher will not have a chance to go for the all-time losses record, which he very much deserves to, to possess. Uh, that, and also I've heard wild speculation about who might replace them. Fox Sports had an uh, opinion article saying how they thought there was serious pursuit of Jim Harbaugh and how that would make sense for the Rams. And then I saw some less than serious um, outlets reporting about John Gruden uh, on Facebook. But uh, Facebook doesn't have the best reputation for accurate news right now. Yeah, I'm sure that Bill Cowher, John Gruden's job to lose, like we've heard every year for yeah. the last seven years. <laughs> Chuck, Chuck Noll, Vince Lombardi, yeah. they're, they're in there too as well, maybe to coach So I, I didn't read into this enough because I didn't care to at all, but do you know why the heck they gave him that extension? Was there an out with that, or what was the significance of that? And all of a sudden, if they're going to be able to fire somebody after one week, it just seems really strange. I have no idea. that You're completely right. It, it was such a baffling move, but... It had to have been really contingent anyways, if, unless they're complete idiots with as bad as he's been. I mean, have they won a game since October? I don't think so. Um, and they were, I think it's it's tough to really, put the, I'd like to see them in the Browns play right now. I think that'd be pretty <laughs> exciting. Uh, I can't imagine there's much worse teams in the NFL than the Rams right now. Yeah, they just are completely inept on offense. What were they down, 30 or 42 to 0 at one point? Um, and I guess... It sounds like a pretty much a done deal that San Diego is going to move to uh, Los Angeles and something like a third 
of Seattle season ticket holders are from the Los Angeles. I'm, I'm sorry, of San Diego season ticket holders are from the Los Angeles area, and so that's why they started talking about Jim Harbaugh and all these crazy coaching candidates is because they feel the pressure to compete economically with an incoming San Diego team that has a popular franchise quarterback and a built-in fan base and then here you have a Ram- the Rams that you know are playing 1977 offense and have no stars that are really of note um yeah it's it's tough when you're the Rams too because it's this is such a lowly franchise, especially being the L.A. Rams. That you really don't have that draw. That I mean, it's not like San Diego's been a, a winning, historically winning franchise, but even they have a lot more clout than a, you know the Rams do. What would possibly get you know somebody like John Gruden or Jim Harbaugh to go to the L.A. Rams? It, it's with that roster in place and that mm-hmm. franchise history. It's just it doesn't seem like there's any pull. Well, and San Diego at least has a reputation for being a, being an exciting team. I mean, even their bad teams have been high scoring and interesting. But yeah, I guess who really cares about the Rams? And I think the real problem for me is that they could have Jim Harbaugh as the head coach. They could draft some exciting players, and they're still going to have that polo collar on their uniforms. And I can't cheer for a team that has that. Yeah, they got to get rid of those uniforms once and for all. Yeah, disgusting. All right, and right before we go to our big picks, um, there was a very important discussion that uh, came up when uh, uh, we were watching the game yesterday, and I thought it was something I had to ask you in a one-question mini-crossfire, and it's what the fans around the world want to know. It's if the NFL teams were forced to field a team of their literal mascots, who would win the Super Bowl? (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, this is putting me on the spot here. Um, yeah. Man, that's tough. And it's <laughs> So it's not going like to a... be the Packers because that would be like a team of Paulies from Rocky, and I don't think yep. they have a good chance. Um, but there's some particulars in there. Like you'd think the Jets right away, but I if you count the wheels as their feet, illegal formation every time. Yeah, I, I'm liking the Giants as I kind of look through teams here. I think that's a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah, I didn't um, I mean, think of that. Think, you'd think they could take out Washington or, or Dallas or Minnesota, just the regular humans since they're so large. Yeah. Um, and I think to be less offensive, I would make the uh, Washington take the field with a whole bunch of potatoes. That's, that's a good <laughs> Yes, just baby reds. Yeah. Um, I don't know, though. You've got – I'm thinking I'm either between the Giants – or the Chargers, because I, I'm pretty sure that some lightning could take down even the biggest of Giants. Well, what about Titans, though? Is a Titan bigger than a Giant? Yeah, you're probably right. I guess so, and that's more of a mythological thing, so they might have some kind of a lightning defense. I don't know. <laughs> so none none of the bird teams have a realistic chance. Um, no, not at all. The Steelers, a bunch of disgruntled old union workers, I don't think they have a big chance either. Um, the Broncos would beat the Colts for sure. Um, I, 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 I like your idea of the Chargers. I didn't think about that kind of a mystic force. Um, the Dolphins would, would suffocate before the end of the first quarter and, uh, Buffalo taking the field with a whole bunch of guys named Bill, I don't think has a great chance. So I, I think, I think the Chargers, they might, they might be the winners here. Yeah, I think Chargers Titans are probably your ways to go. And I, unfortunately for the Packers, I think we may be, uh, Definitely bottom five in that category here. I, I think some meat packing guys can be kind of tough, but I think against most of these other creatures and things, I think you might struggle. <laughs> they might beat the Patriots and the Steelers. There, there's a chance there. 
But uh, even the Patriots are battle tested. I mean, for the most part, you know, these guys are fighting in the Revolution, and we're just packing up meat. I mean, <laughs> you, you, you could say like the Browns. I mean, you could probably beat a bunch of Paul Browns or whatever they were named after. Yeah, <laughs> they could probably handle that. But that's pretty much it. Yeah, we're just trying to make a living here and put food on the table. <laughs> we're not trying to start a country or anything. I did think of a dark horse. Depending on your religious beliefs, uh, New Orleans would either be the best or worst choice. Or the worst. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I guess if, if you have any opinion on this very important uh, Crossfire question, we'd love to hear it on the Facebook page. All right, so now let's uh, get rid of all that and uh, go to some Week 15 picks real quick here. Um, I can't believe it is Week 15 already. That kind of is depressing. Yeah. And even adding to the depression is our first game, the Rams at the Seahawks on Thursday Night Football. Ooh, yeah, and there's a couple of other depressing games this week, too, as I'm looking through here. Rams-Seahawks, I mean, you got to go Seahawks here, easily. Uh, yeah, I think the Rams probably are going to get a lot of the frustration that Seattle got yesterday taken out on them, and uh, certainly they don't have the uh, horses to be able to, to withstand that. Uh, our first Saturday game of the year, the Dolphins at the Jets. Um, if they're, I was going to say the Jets are worse than San Francisco, but they ended up beating them in the uh, overtime yesterday, didn't they? Yeah, yes, they did. Um, and I got really excited by the first part of that phrase when you said first Saturday game of the year until you told me what it was, too. <laughs> Sorry. Is, is that the only Saturday game? Yep, this week it is. Yikes. Okay. Um, but, yeah, the Jets, all of a sudden the 49ers were blowing them out in the first quarter, and then, sure enough, they the Jets end up winning. Um, oh, and Tannehill tore his ACL yesterday, supposedly, and then Miami came out today and said he didn't. So I don't yeah. know what his status is. Yeah, they. I think I just saw he had a sprained MCL ACL. So I don't know what his. Yeah, like you said, what his playing status is. I, I think with, I think I'm still picking Miami either way. I think Matt Moore led Dolphins can beat the Jets though. I'm gonna take the Jets just because of the uncertainty of the quarterback situation, and and you know Matt Moore has been an okay backup in his career, but I don't think he's played in a number of years either. So um, I heard or I read an article today about people already speculating about Todd Bowles' job. I mean, if there's a surefire way to the Brownstown, it's it's to fire a guy who took a crap team to a 10-win season and now is struggling and already firing him before he has a chance to really implement any kind of culture. Yeah, that's tough. It's been really bad, though, this year, and it's, their defense has been pretty rough, too. I agree. I wouldn't fire him, but it's yeah. just been a really, really bad year for them. Well, it is tough, though, when you're in a market. Uh, you know, you're coaching the Jets. They've had so many championships and successes. Yeah, that's true. That you got, you got to hold yourself to that standard. Yeah, if you can't win a championship in two years, you got to get them out. Yeah, especially with the Jets. You know, that's that's got to be done. Uh, spe- speaking of championship pedigrees, the Browns at Bills. <laughs> wow, nice. Um, yeah, up Bills, I guess. Yeah, I think Cleveland's best chance to win this year was yesterday, and uh, they didn't even put up a fight against a pretty bad Cincinnati team, so Buffalo. The Eagles at Ravens. Um, I'll go first here. I think the Eagles are kind of in free fall here. Uh, I hope they keep giving Doug Peterson a chance because I think he's probably the right man for that job, and he's got a chance to build something good, and Wentz will get better, but uh, I think they're pretty much toast for the rest of this year, and Baltimore seems to be getting better. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go Ravens here, too. The Steelers at Bengals, not quite as uh, ferocious of a rivalry as it was even just one year ago at this time. Yeah, the Bengals are turning around here. There was a, you know, people thought they were going to be missing the playoffs with how bad they looked, and they've really bounced back for two weeks straight. I, th- I think I'm still going to go Pittsburgh here, um, but I think Cincy might be kind of bouncing back to what you were hoping they were going to be when you picked them to win the next three <laughs> Super Bowls in a row. 
Yeah, I didn't say that, but I did have them in the Super Bowl, and I feel really stupid about that. A year after having Miami in the AFC Championship game, like I should just pick Seattle and New England next year, and then they'll both stink, just to yeah. curse them. Um, I know you said the Bengals are kind of on a roll, but I think they're way back and pretty much have no shot at the playoffs, right? Okay, yeah, I, I couldn't even tell you what their record is right now. I think they have six or seven losses because they had a really bad okay. middle of the uh, five and seven. They are so they're they're a pretty long shot at this point, unless both Pittsburgh and Baltimore free fall, which isn't out of the question. Uh, I'll pick Pittsburgh here to win. Uh, you picked Pittsburgh still, right? I'm sorry, yep, I missed that one. Yep. Okay. The Colts at Vikings. Can Andrew Luck help out the pack? Uh sure hope so. Uh, I guess they really don't need to. The Packers and Vikings have the same record, so they're... And they play. Yeah, so it's pretty much a done deal that uh, the Packers can take care of the Vikings on their own. I I think I'll still go with the Colts here, though. I I think we'd like to see it. Minnesota's just not very good, so I I don't think the Colts are either, but good enough to win this one. Yeah, I'll pick Minnesota, though, because the the Colts just seem to turn the ball over so often, so I, I, I just feel like Minnesota, if they don't do too many stupid things on offense, they could probably win. Although that's not out of the question with the way they've been playing. The Texans hosting the Jaguars, and it looks like there's a really good chance that the Texans will be in the playoffs again. Yeah, gross. I guess we just got to root for the Titans the the rest of the way out. But (laughs) I I picked against Houston almost every week. I don't know how they ever win, Um, but they keep doing it, and Jacksonville's terrible so I'll go Houston yeah I'll agree and uh, I expect Jeff Fisher to be the next coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars yes absolutely the Titans going to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs who with three wins will be no worse than the two seed in the AFC and they have two of those at home yeah and I I keep picking against Kansas City as well and they keep winning too I, I I do like Tennessee they've been pretty good I think this could be a tough game but I think the Chiefs are too good yeah, I agree. I, I would like to see Tennessee win for two reasons. One is I really want them to keep Houston out of the playoffs. And as much as Kansas City's got a cool stadium and awesome uniforms, and I don't pre- have anything against them, they're so boring to watch. Yeah. Um, were you going to add something else there? I think you kind of cut out there. No. no okay. You got it. Yeah, the Chiefs suck. That's what we agree upon. <laughs> the Saints at the Cardinals. Who cares? Oof. Both of these teams are dead. <laughs> Yeah, both teams are dead, and both are really bad. The Saints have scored, what, 13 points or less the last two weeks? But yeah. I am, I'm not picking the Cardinals the rest of the year, I don't think. I'm going Saints here. Um, I'll pick the Cardinals, I guess, just because they're home. Um, I think we're both in agreement that Carson Palmer should retire. I mean, to the point where it's yes. giving you nightmares. Yeah, he literally had a nightmare on Saturday night that he threw five picks and had, like basically had to retire on the spot. <laughs> Which... Should have happened. Uh, he started to play a little bit better after the beginning. But yeah. uh, what about Drew Brees? Is there any chance that he has a shocking retirement at the end of this year? I, if he has three more weeks like he's had the last couple, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, th- we've been talking about how poor Drew Brees for the last couple of years, their defense can't stop anybody. But, you know, if he's he can no longer feel like he's putting up yards, he, he seemed like the, he kind of had a rebirth at the beginning of this year and then has kind of fallen back down to what we saw the last couple of years. It's, it'll be interesting. I doubt it, but it's possible. Yeah, I mean, he still has some ridiculous numbers. He's got over 4,100 yards. He's got 30 touchdowns. He does have 14 interceptions, but I just have the feeling that at some point, I know he wants to play forever, but it seems like he gets beat up worse than Brady and them guys do as well. And at some point, don't you just, you have no shot. You're never going to win another championship in 
New Orleans. So at some point, don't you want to have some self-preservation and go on home? Yeah, absolutely. Um, although having said that, now with my track record, the Saints will go fourteen and two and win the Super Bowl next year. <laughs> yeah. Forty ers at Falcons, Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta. Broncos hosting the Patriots in a rematch of the AFC Championship game that feels like a hundred years ago. Yeah, um, I'll I'll go New England here. I think. Uh, yeah, this is another game where we haven't seen them play this week, and I believe tonight is their first game. First or second game without Gronk, but the first time they're playing an actual decent team without Gronk. So it'll be telling as to what the rest of the season might be like for New England, depending on what they do tonight. Um, you know what? I'm going to take Denver. Denver's offense is pretty rough. Though. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm still going to take a flyer on him just to kind of make it interesting. The okay. Raiders at the Chargers. Oh, um, I'll, I'll pick Oakland in a bounce back. Um, man, the Chargers are just so up and down. It's You wouldn't be shocked if they won by 20, but then I wouldn't be shocked <laughs> if they get blown out. I, I guess I just trust Oakland a little more. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. Uh, I don't know how badly Melvin Gordon got hurt yesterday. I know he got carted off with a hip injury, though. I didn't hear yet. Okay, um, I'll pick the Raiders as well. Just, yeah, San Diego's so Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, I missed the game, and it's important. I think I was withholding it, and then I forgot about it. The Lions going to New York to play the Giants. Uh, I'll go Giants here. you got to like that. They just beat beat up on Dallas a little bit last night. You've got a banged-up Stafford, and a, you know just the Giants overall red hot right now. The defense is playing so well, um, so I'm going to go with them. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. Maybe just some wishful thinking, but with if Stafford is not on the top of his game, this team really has nothing else. So uh, going on the road in the Giants, perhaps in the cold, I'll take the Lions as well. Sunday night football, the Tampa Bay Bucks at the Dallas Cowboys. Gosh, I really the Packers really need a Dallas win. Um, and I think they'll get it. I'll pick Dallas. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I'll go with that, too. I, I don't foresee that this happening to the Giants, or the Cowboys two weeks in a row. I, th- I think Tampa's pretty good, but i, I got to go with the Cowboys at home, too. And on Monday Night Football, a game that actually will have relevance to the Packers' playoff hopes and would really help them if the Carolina Panthers uh, were able to go into Washington and beat the Redskins, then uh, Washington would be out of the Packers' way, assuming they beat the uh, Bears, and then the Packers have one less team to worry about. Uh, Will it happen? Can you hear me at all? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I, yeah, I like lost. I keep losing you for like ten seconds at a time, and then like the audio tries to catch up, and it's all scrambled. I I couldn't understand any of that. Okay, hopefully that doesn't happen on the recording end. But um, I'm sure it's just. Okay, uh, Panthers at Redskins. Who you got? Um, I, I I'll, I'll go with Washington here. I I think I like Carolina maybe even a little bit better as a team, but they've got basically nothing left to play for in Washington. Just coming off a nice win against Philly. Um, I'll go I'll go Skins. Yeah, and the, I guess uh, the Josh Norman taking on his old old team as well. <laughs> that too. Yeah. Um, I really want to pick Carolina because it would help the Packers so much. But yeah, I think you're right, Washington. And in the sort of big one, if we were going back to that discussion we had, a mascot, I don't trust the Meat Packers to beat a whole pack of bears. But luckily, we get to play with humans in football uniforms. And I think our humans in football uniforms are much better than the Chicago ones. I'm a little bit worried about Jordan Howard, but I think the Packers will win. 
Yeah, I agree too. I, I'm a little concerned about this game and just being overlooked a little bit. You've kind of come off this stretch where you've you've beaten a couple of tougher teams and then you come down. You know this season's on the line and this is probably the one game you're least worried about. But I think it's definitely a Bears offense that's capable of putting some points up on our defense. So I'll pick the Packers. I'm a little leery, um, but I think they can do it. Worst case scenario and they had to play this game with Brett Hundley, do you think they could still win? Oof. I... I don't. I guess if if it's if it has to be Hundley, it's it's really hard to tell because we've never really seen him have to do it in game action. But I don't think you've got the running game to, or the defense to support that. I think I think the Packers with Brett Hundley are probably not as good as the Bears with uh, their current situation. Yeah, that's fair. I think part of the reason they were able to stay in the race and keep their head uh, above water in 2013 was that Eddie Lacy played like Emmett Smith in the last two months of the season, and certainly uh, would be shocking to see that out of Ty Montgomery. Okay, um, we're kind of running out of time here, and uh, hopefully my editing will have uh, masked this a little bit, but we're having quite a bit of audio difficulties, so um, we're going to wrap it up here, and unfortunately that's not going to allow us to read all of your Facebook comments, but there were some great ones. Uh, we had uh, Corey Bend and Daniel Johnson and Eric Hansen all share their, their comments there. Um, so definitely appreciate it. Um, Corey Bend had some very uh, tough things to say about Seattle, and I, I like that. Um, Eric Hansen was saying he was excited about how complete uh, of a game this was, and it was a dominant win against a good team. Um, he's still a little leery, and he can't unsee all the bad performances, so he's not quite on board yet with them being a serious contender like we were debating earlier. And uh, uh, Daniel Johnson also had a, a whole bunch of great things to say, including F the Seahawks, which I think all of us are, feel <laughs> all of us are feeling a little bit today. Uh, so if you want to contribute to the Facebook page and uh, comment about this podcast or uh, give us any things for next week's podcast, you can go on the Facebook page, Green and Gold Forever Podcast. Uh, you can tweet at us, at Green Gold Forever. That's the number four. Uh, go to the Podbean page and read any of the old blogs we have. We haven't posted anything in a while, but there's still some good content there. Uh, greengoldforever.podbean.com. And if you haven't yet, download the iTunes podcast app and follow Green and Gold Forever, or better yet, download the Podbean app and follow Green and Gold Forever on there where you can get our complete archives uh, all the way back to 2012. So hopefully we can stay in this playoff race for another week with a very winnable game seemingly in Chicago and uh, maybe get a little bit of help. And uh, you never know, we might be headed to the playoffs for the eighth straight year. But if that doesn't happen, we'll always have yesterday when the stupid Seahawks came to Lambeau Field <laughs> and got right. destroyed. <laughs> so for Matt and Altoona, I'm Eric in Appleton. Have a great week, everyone, and take care.